This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. in a brand new series this morning that we're um, calling Colossians, real original, I know, but we're just going to go through the book of Colossians over the next four weeks, and uh, it's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be a different kind of series uh, than we've done in the past, and so it's, it's going to be really cool, but uh, I want to start off talking this morning uh, about this idea that I was raised in church, and, and how, just by show of hands, how many of you guys were raised in church growing up? Okay, wow, a lot of you guys. That's a, how many of you were raised in Catholic church, I'm wondering? Out of all those. Okay, all right, so about half. Very cool. Um, so I was raised in church, and the way that I was raised in church, I don't know if this was your uh, scenario or not, but anytime the church doors were open, I was there. Can anyone else relate with that? So we had like Sunday school before church, right? And then we had like church, and then we had like, uh, we go out to lunch with church people after church. Right? Is this for you? So like Sundays started at like 8 a.m. and ended at like 3 p.m., right? except during football season. Somehow we lost all of our friends in football season. So I'm very thankful to my father for making that a priority in my life um, to go home and watch the Lions. But um, we would do that. And then, but, but here's the worst part. Now I'm, and then comes the flip side of the coin where I'm kind of mad at my dad still for this. But then we had choir practice like right in the middle of the third quarter every Sunday uh, for the Lions, which was torture. So we'd go, we'd go and we have choir practice before church and then church on Sunday night. And then after church was like praise team practice. And then church was open on Wednesday. And so we'd go at like five o'clock on Wednesdays to have uh, more band rehearsal stuff. And then church where we'd split up and then choir practice. And you see the rhythm and flow of my early childhood, right? I was in church uh, every time the doors were open. And so I, I believed just about everything that I was taught in church, right? I, I kind of just took it at face value. You know, these are solid adults and they're telling me that this is true, so I'm going to believe it. And uh, I went through and I, I had a really easy time believing a lot of it, but some of it I was just kind of like, oh, well, let's kind of use our brains a little bit here. Did this really happen the way you're saying it happened? And, you know, and so I, there was a little bit of skepticism going on in all of this. So I took some of it at face value. Some of it I kind of questioned a little bit, but that all kind of changed when I got to Bible college. So you would think that if you went to like a Christian university or something, this would be the moment where like, yes, the Lord is making all things new and clear to me. Uh, this was the moment where I was like, wow, I was fed a load of crap my whole life, right? It was crazy. I had this whole process in Bible college where I was like, oh my gosh, you mean it's not this way, it's that way? And it's not that way, it's this way? And the Bible really says this? And I was taught that it says that? And so I went through this huge process um, that, you know, is people refer to it as a deconstruction, right? And so I went through this deconstruction process where I had to break down everything I was taught as a kid and in teenager years and all this stuff, everything I was taught at church, I kind of had to break it down and then sort of reconstruct where I stood with Jesus, where I stood with God, where I stood on the Bible, what I thought about all these things. And it was a really cool experience because I went to this small Bible college out in Farmington Hills before it closed down uh, called William Tyndale College, um, and so I went there for my first two years and it was a very safe community of people and the professors and teachers were a lot of them like doubled as pastors and, and, uh, all this. And so they were really into mentoring us students and it was a really safe place for me to, um, sort of go through this deconstruction process. They would ask me questions that would like split my brain wide open. I'm like, Whoa, what? never even thought of that, right? And so I would have all these moments, but then they were also there to coach me through it. Now, a lot of people go through this deconstruction process and they, they don't have a community to share it with. 
They don't have a mentor person that they can reach out to. And so that's why a lot of times you hear about people going to Bible college, like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a pastor. And then they go through this deconstruction process and they walk away from Jesus altogether. They're like, yeah, forget that. That's nuts. It's crazy. Everything I taught my whole life was a lie, everything, whatever. And so we see this when it happens in a reckless situation and it, sometimes it's just too much for people. Sometimes they go through this process and they're like, man, I just, I can't handle this. I got to back away from church. I got to back away from God. I got to back away from all of these things. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the way it's meant to happen. It's meant to happen in community. It's meant to happen in a safe space where you can have dialogue and you can ask questions and you can ask really hard questions that make people uncomfortable. And it's okay to have those sort of situations. And so I feel like, you know, I went through that in Bible college, but I feel like all of us, if you haven't gone through this process, all of us need to experience this. All of us need to get to a place where we understand what we believe and why we believe it, you know? We need to get to a place where we can answer the question, why do I believe the message of Jesus above all these other messages, of all these other ideas and ideologies and religions and philosophies and things? Why do I choose Jesus above all of that? Because if you can't answer that question, that's not a good thing, right? You can't just float through thinking, oh yeah, it's just whatever, rainbows and unicorns and butterflies, right? We need to get to a point where we understand and we can ask the question, why do I believe that church is important? And why do I go? Why do I, make it, why do I need to make it a priority for me to attend church, to be plugged into a faith community? Why do I think it's important that my kids need to go to kids' church and learn these biblical foundations that are going to carry them through their lives? Why is it important in the formative years of middle school and high school that my teenagers are plugged in to a group of Christian a community? Why are these things important to me? And it's important for us to know this. Why do I need prayer? Why do I need to spend time and worship? Why is it important for me to be generous? Why is that even important in my life? If I'm not generous, I'll have more money for myself. That sounds more appealing, right? We need to get to a point where we can answer these questions. And so what we're doing today is we're launching a series that we're calling Colossians. And essentially what we're going to do, we're going to look through the book of Colossians and break it down chapter by chapter. Our aim and our goal in doing this series is for you to have a better understanding of how to engage God's word. Because in God's word, you're going to be able to find a lot of the answers to a lot of these questions. A lot of the reason that you believe what you believe can be outlined and answered through this book. But if we don't spend any time in this book, and we don't know how to read this book, and we don't know how to digest this book and interact with this book, then it can't help us, right? And so many of our discussions here on Sunday morning are what we call topical messages, topical sermons. Basically, we pick a topic that's relevant to our daily lives, and then we see what the Bible has to say about it, right? And that's sort of the format and the formula that we use to communicate God's word to you. Well, this Colossians series, is, uh, it's got a $50 uh, term. It's called exegetical. And it's this process of exegesis, which is pulling the scripture and saying, what does this scripture say to me? Not coming to it with a topic in mind and saying, okay, where can I find a verse that talks about this? Instead, it's going to the Bible, opening it up and saying, what is this saying to me? What is this book saying outside of topics and all this stuff? Just plain and simple. What does the Bible say, right? And so that's kind of the approach that we're going to take with this Colossians message. And so we're going to be looking in the Bible and going through it, you know, kind of verse by verse, stanza by stanza, whatever, idea by idea. And so I would encourage you guys over the next four weeks, if you have a physical Bible, which I know that's kind of a rarity these days, especially to carry it with you. If you have a physical Bible, I would encourage you to bring it 
over the next couple of weeks. Because you can like draw lines and circles and arrows and make notes and all this stuff. Um, if you have a digital version on your iPad or um, the Bible app is free on your iPhone, just search Bible app and download that. And it's got all kinds of variations of it. But I would encourage you guys to have a Bible on hand over these next couple of weeks because that's essentially what we're doing. We're going through the book of Colossians and we're going to just boom, meat and potatoes. See how this thing can speak to us and change us and encourage us and grow us together. Does that make sense? So this is going to be really cool, man. I'm really, really excited about it. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump into Colossians chapter 1. God, thank you so much for this morning, man. Thank you for that awesome time uh, that we got to spend together singing songs of praise and adoration to you. Thank you for the extremely talented people that were on stage that were just giving their talents and abilities to connect, to be a connection. It was so powerful, and God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word and allow it to speak truth to us. I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to illuminate these scriptures and make them come alive in our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray this morning that you would soften our hearts and open our minds. You'd make us receptive to what you have today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So Colossians. Colossians is um, it's a book in the Bible, but if you know some things about the Bible, you know that a lot of the books in the New Testament, which is like the second half of the Bible, there are letters that were written to specific people. Right? And so Colossians is one of those letters. Colossians was written by this guy named Paul. And now we're not talking Paul Elliot. Paul Elliot's here this morning, right? He's out in the lobby. We're not talking about that Paul, okay? We're talking about Paul from the Bible, Paul of Tarsus or whatever he was. And um, Paul was a first century missionary and church planter. So in the first century, this guy was going around, tell, well, he started off persecuting Christians. He was like, he worked for the Jews and was like, nah, man, we're going to kill all these Christians. We're going to annihilate them. This movement is bad, whatever. Then he had a, you know, an interaction with, with God on the road to Damascus, right? You guys have heard this story. He's knocked off the horse. He's blind. He can't see all this stuff. And so then, you know, God speaks to him. He's like, hey, man, stop persecuting me. I need you to be on my team. I need you to hook me up. And so Paul's like, deal, I'm in. And so then Paul becomes like a missionary and a church planner and all this stuff. And so a lot of the New Testament, which are these things called epistles, if you're wondering what an epistle is, it's basically all the books in the New Testament that end with I-A-N-S. So like Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, Philippians, all those. Those are letters written to actual churches in actual locations, right? And so Paul is responsible for writing a lot of these letters. And so Paul is writing Colossians to the church in Coloss. Now Coloss is about 100 miles east of Ephesus, which is where the book Ephesians was written to. Right? And this is all located in Asia Minor, okay? So these were not like blonde haired, blue eyed white guys, just throwing that out there to you. Um, and th this, this book, Colossians, was written by Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome. So Paul was imprisoned in Rome because he was spreading the news of Jesus, and the Roman Empire was like, nah, dude, this is not okay. This is not a good movement. And so they kept imprisoning him and all these different things. And so he was imprisoned in Rome for about two years. And so while he was in Rome, he wrote these letters to these churches, asking them for prayer and encouraging them and telling them, you know, hey, this is what you got to do to be cool with God. This is how this all works. This is the way that all this stuff goes down. And so if you had your Bible, you could look at Acts chapter 28, verse 30, or you can maybe make a note to look later. But in Acts chapter 28, verse 30, it talks about Paul's imprisonment in Rome. And this is where we think that Colossians was written. And so Colossians was written as a response to the false teaching that was taking place in Colossus and much of Asia Minor. There was this teaching that was going around that denied the deity of Christ. Essentially, this teaching was going around saying Jesus was not who he said he was. 
Because Jesus said he was the son of man. He said that he was fully human. He was fully God, all this stuff. And, and, and these guys are saying, no, man, that's not the case. He wasn't fully God. And if he was fully God, he wasn't fully human. This is an anomaly. It can't happen. And so all this teaching was going around in that region. And so Paul felt like he needed to write them and say, listen, this is the truth. In light of what all these other people are saying, in light of all the drama that's going around, in light of all the quote-unquote fake news that's taking place, this is where you need to focus. This is where it kind of all comes together, right? And so he writes this book, Colossians, to them. And so in verse 1 through 14, in chapter 1, I know this is a lot of information, but I'm just kind of setting the stage for you here, okay? So in verses 1 through 14 of chapter 1 in Colossians, there's only four chapters, in chapter 1, verse 1 through 14, Paul writes them and he spends the first 14 verses just kind of laying it out there, like thanking them for praying for him, thanking them for, um, you know, following Jesus and doing all these things. And then he petitions for prayer. He's like, can you please pray for me and the struggles and the, you know, the ministry and all this stuff. And so he spends the first 14 verses just kind of laying that out there. Thanksgiving and prayer. That's basically what he's talking about. And so this morning, we're going to pick up in, in verse 15. And so it's going to be Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 28. And so I know it's public speaking, uh, big public speaking no-no to read a long passage of, of work out loud, but I'm going to do it anyway, and it'll be on the screen as well. So you can follow along there. But I just want to read this. So when you're listening, though, don't imagine it like you're reading Harry Potter. Don't imagine it like you're reading some novel or something. Imagine that this is a dude who's imprisoned in Rome, and he's writing a letter to our church. Because that's the idea. The idea with these letters is that they would receive them and it wasn't like the pastor would read it and then start teaching these things. They would receive a letter from Paul. The, the orator of the church would stand up in front of everybody and read it out loud. And everybody would sit there and be like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And so it was meant to be shared together as a community. And then after, say he wrote a, church, a letter to us, after we read it to our congregation and we maybe made a copy of it or digested it or whatever, put it into practice, then we would take that same letter and give it to another church and let them do the same thing. And then they would stand up and read it out loud and they would digest it together and process it together and try to live it out together. And so that's what this was intended. This is how this was intended to be processed and digested. So I want to read just a portion of it out loud. So imagine a dude is writing a letter to us saying, hey guys, here's what's important. Here's what's going on. And so in verse 15, it says this talking about Jesus. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead so that everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so Paul's saying Jesus is like the cat's meow, right? He's like supreme. He's the man. He's the top dog. These are all the things that he can do. These are all the things that he's done. This is who Jesus is. And then he says in verse 21, continuing, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, I want you to grab that. If you continue in your faith, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. 
This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and, I, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And so he says, listen, you guys were separated from God and Christ has come so that you can be reconciled to God. And then in verse 24, he says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up my flesh with what, what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its very servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mercy, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all the wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to break these kind of down into three ideas this morning. Verses uh, 15 through 20 talk about how Christ is supreme. Verses 21 through 23 talk about how Christ reconciled you. And then verses 26 and 27 talk about how Christ is for everybody. And so these are the messages and the points and the ideas that Paul is trying to write to people. He's saying this is how you shape your understanding of God. This is how you shape your understanding of who Jesus is. Why do you believe in Jesus? Because of this. Why do I go to church and follow him? Because of this. Because of your understanding of who he is. And this is who he is, is what Paul is telling us. And so in verse 15 through 20, I'm going to read it one more time so you can kind of focus in on what we're, we're talking about. And it should be up on the screen. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was, God, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so as Paul's saying these things, he's combating the cultural norm. The cultural norm is saying Jesus is not all that. Jesus is not all that he said he was. Jesus doesn't come together like that. He starts in verse 15. He says he's the image of the invisible God. The word, the Greek word here that's used for image is this idea of image bearer. The readers, when they heard this, what would automatically come to mind in their cultural language was the idea of a coin. Because the coin would bear the image of the king or of the emperor, right? And we understand this. I've never met George Washington in my life, but I could pick him, up, pick him out of a lineup. I know exactly what he looks like, right? Because he's on all my money. You know, the money bears the image of who George Washington was, right? Or at least that's the idea. And so whenever he would use this word that Jesus is the image bearer of God, it was the same sort of concept and idea. And so when the hearers would hear it, they would say, okay, I get this. Here's the deal. Anyone who has seen Jesus has indirectly seen God. You want to know what God looks like? He looks like Jesus. That was the idea here. That was the doctrine that was being taught. And that was the understanding. Christ is the representation of God. And then in verse 15, it says he was the firstborn over all creation. And so this is showing Jesus' supremacy again, that he was before, he preceded creation, and he was sovereign over all creation. That he was bigger and badder and more hardcore than any of it. That he superseded all of that. And then in verses 16 and 17, it says, all things were created by him and for him. Christ is the one in, in whom all things came to be. 
But not only that, it's also true that it's, it's through him that all things continue to exist. That's kind of the idea here. And so when, we're, when we say, you know, oh yeah, every breath that we breathe comes from God. Why do we say that? Well, it, it's, it's because of this. All things were created by him and for him and through him. And so all these things come together through the empowerment of Jesus. This is why we believe these things because Paul says this is how it goes, right? That's the way that the scripture kind of lays it out there for us. In verse 18, it says that Christ is the head of the church. Now for us to hear this, it kind of sounds almost second nature. We're like, well, yeah, duh. I mean, you know, Jesus is the head of the church. That's the idea. But back then that was, that was earth shattering, mind blowing news to these people. Because until Jesus came along, the Hebrews or the Jews, they were God's chosen people. They were in, right? They were in. Everybody else, that's the Gentiles. When you hear Gentiles in the scripture, that's everybody that's not a Hebrew and not a Jew. And so the Hebrews and Jews, they were in, man. And they were God's chosen people and they could be in relationship with God and all this stuff. But then the, the Gentiles, even if they converted to Judaism, even if they were like, yeah, okay, we buy into it. We want Yahweh to be our God and we want all that. Even if they did that, they were still treated like second-rate citizens in this community. They still weren't Jews. They didn't have the birthright. They weren't really in it, but, you know, they can kind of be in it, right? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? And so when, when, when Paul is saying Christ is the head of the church, what he's saying here is that it's neither Jew nor Gentile. It's a new creation. Christ comes and everybody gets to be part of the party. Everybody gets in on this thing. Everybody, it's a new body of believers and Christ is the head of that. Christ spearheads that for us so that everyone can come into relationship with God through Jesus. And then in verse 18, it says, Christ is the firstborn among the dead. Now, when you're reading this, you're just like, okay, so Walking Dead was around in first century. Okay, I get it. I'm into that. Right on. Rick was walking around with his huge revolver and it was a, it was a thing, right? It, didn't, it made no sense. It makes no sense to a lot of people that read that. But when it says Christ is the firstborn among the dead, essentially what Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, Jesus resurrected. He died on the cross, the whole deal, but he resurrected. He is the first one to experience this glorified state, this glorified body post-resurrection, right? It's saying that his resurrection marked a triumph over death. That's how big of a deal Jesus is. That's how huge and supreme that he is. And then in verse 19, it says, all the fullness of God dwells on Christ. He's saying to these, these false teachings, he's saying, listen, Jesus is fully God. That's the way this thing goes down. He's fully God. All the fullness of God dwells on Christ. And then in verse 20, it says, through Christ, God reconciled all things to himself. It says that Jesus is the doorway to God, essentially. That through Jesus, God reconciles all creation, all humanity, all people to him. And so in these five verses, that is a ton of doctrine. That is a ton of, of like super heady knowledge that these, these churches in the first century would take and digest and be like, man, this is great. This is huge. We take it as second nature because we've had philosophers and theologians working this stuff out for thousands of years, right? And so we're like, oh yeah, cool, whatever. But when Paul's saying this, guys, this was like earth shattering to the believers in Colossus. They were hearing this stuff saying, whoa, wait a second, you mean, you mean Jews and Gentiles can both be in this thing and that Jesus died for me and so now that he did that, I can be cool with God and, and this is incredible. He was fully man and fully God. He sacrificed his body for me, but then he conquered sin and death when he rose. All this stuff happened for me. He's the image of the visible God. When I see Jesus, I see God. They're one and the same. This is like mind-blowing stuff to the people in the first century. 
And so when we're coming through and going through our deconstruction process, where we're trying to process who God is and what God means and what God looks like, when we look at these things, this can kind of help bring clarity to that. This can hopefully bring some sort of understanding to that. And then in Colossians chapter 21, picking up in 21 through 23, I'm going to read it again. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your, in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And so he starts off in verse 21 and he talks about us being alienated from God, that we were enemies in our minds. What he's doing is he's speaking to the culture. He's saying, listen, these guys are telling you to be pissed off at Jesus. These guys are telling you to stay away from Jesus. These guys are telling you that that's wrong and it's evil and it's, you know, it's heresy and all this. And so they're teaching you this and you're kind of buying into it a little bit. He's like, you're allowing them to rock your world a little bit. You're allowing them to shake you a little bit. And so that's created this chasm between you and God. There's been this alienation that has taken place. And then in verse 22, he talks about reconciled by Christ's physical body. Again, he's talking to the heresy that's taken place at the time in Asia Minor, where they're saying, no, he wasn't fully God. He wasn't fully man. There wasn't this physical sacrifice that took place and all this stuff. He's not deity. He's not human. And in verse 23, he says, you know, if you continue in your faith, this is huge. He says, if you continue in your faith, you can receive the reconciliation that, that God is offering. If you are steadfast in your faith, when things come around you and they're kind of, they're trying to throw you off kilter, when things come in and they rock your world, when things come in and you're like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to back away. I think I'm going to walk away. I'm going to go do my own thing. Paul says, no, listen, listen, don't let that stuff rattle you. Don't let that stuff take you off course. Don't let questions that you have about your faith or misunderstandings about your faith throw you completely off overboard. He says, don't do that. If you continue in your faith, you can receive the reconciliation of Jesus. You can receive the reconciliation of coming back to God. And in verse 23, it says, been proclaimed to every culture under heaven. Essentially, what, what, what Paul is saying here, he didn't literally go all over the entire world and share this news with everybody. But what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, this news is for everybody. Jesus is supreme. Christ is the way. He's the answer. He's like, like the hinge point to where we have access to God. He starts off there. And then he says that there can be reconciliation with God through Jesus, through continued faith. And this reconciliation that can take place where you can be far from God and brought close to him, it's for everybody. He says, this is the gospel that I've dedicated my life to and that is for every single creature underneath the sun. He's saying this thing is for everybody. And again, this was earth shattering to these first century listeners. And then in verse 26, he picks back up and he says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for all ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so he talks about a mystery here. And again, if you're just reading this and you haven't done any study or anything, you're like, what in the world? He's talking about firstborn among dead. He's talking about mysteries. He's talking about all this stuff. What the heck is Paul talking about? But it's so jam-packed with so much doctrine and theology that it's incredible. What he's talking about here is this mystery that's taken place for generations of how can Jews and Gentiles both worship God together? How can they both be in the same kind of crew with no discrimination? Because like I said, the Gentiles were held as like a second rate to the Jews, even in their communities, even in their temples and synagogues and churches and all that stuff. 
And so the mystery, he says, Paul says, listen, this mystery that you've been trying to figure out for generations of how to bring this all together, Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer to that question. Jesus shows up and says, now it's for everybody. Jews, Gentiles alike, you're all in this together. And so he talks about in verse 27, talks about the Gentiles being clued in on Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, through Jesus, this thing's accessible to everybody. And so this is huge. This whole passage of scripture here is so jam-packed, full of like heady doctrine. And I know some of you are just like, uh, right now. But those, those of us who are kind of paying attention, it's really, really incredible because Paul is basically saying here, listen, he breaks it down into three kind of main ideas. Christ is supreme. You can hear what you want to hear about him. You can, all these people are talking about him, teaching all these different things and saying it's dumb, it's irrelevant, whatever. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Christ is supreme. Christ is king. Christ is the, is the image, is the physical image of God. God in a bod, right? That's Christ. And so he's here. And he says, Christ can reconcile you to God. No matter how far away from God you are, Jesus can connect you to God, right? And then in the third part, he says, and here's what's so beautiful and amazing about this thing. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's not just a select few. It's not just if you dressed right or you think right or you wear the right shoes to church or if you wear the right clothes or you go to the right church or you sing the right songs or you dress up or you don't dress. It's not, that's not what it's about. It's for everybody. You're a new creation through Jesus. And so again, it seems kind of second nature to us, but these first century people are just like, their mind has to be blown because it's completely different than anything they've experienced. And so you're like, all right, Sam, well, how does this kind of relate to me? That's cool. He was working with the Colossians. Well, here's the deal. Maybe you're in here today and you just need to wrestle with your faith. Maybe you've taken a lot of stuff for granted and not really thought about it. Maybe you need to take some moments over this next week or over these next couple of weeks and wrestle with your faith. Ask yourself some questions. Why do I believe what I believe? Where does that come from? Why is it that I think this way about that or that way about this? You know? Maybe some of you in here this morning, you need to rec- wrestle with your faith. You need to sort of deconstruct what you've been taught, deconstruct what you've experienced, and then reconstruct it in light of this. Not even in light of what I'm saying, you know? Don't just take what I, I, I'm saying as face value. Check it out for yourselves, you know? I could be up here spitting a whole boatload of crap, and I just talk fast enough you don't know what I'm talking about, right? Go home and check it, man. Maybe some of you in here, you need to wrestle with your faith. You need to make this thing yours. Stop letting it be your grandma's faith that she taught you when you were young. Stop letting it be your parents' faith when they dragged you to church your whole life. Maybe you're in here this morning, you need to wrestle with your own faith. You need to understand what and why you believe and, 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 and how it all kind of plays out in your everyday life. Maybe you're in here today and you just needed to hear about the supremacy of Christ. Maybe you just needed to hear that Jesus is bigger that Jesus is the biggest, that he's before all creation. He's sovereign over all creation. Maybe you needed to hear that his sacrifice covers your pain. Maybe you needed to hear that his sacrifice is bigger than your faults, that he's bigger than that. You think you've messed up so huge? You think you've gone so far? You think you've done the unimaginable? 
and it separated you so far from God's graces and from where God is that it just can't be resolved, it can't be reconciled, maybe you need to hear that Jesus is bigger than that. Jesus is bigger than that. Because of his sacrifice, he aims to reconcile all things to him. All things. Maybe you're in here today and you need to hear that Christ has always wanted to and continues to want to reconcile you to God. Maybe you're far from God, further than you want to be, further than you've ever been before. And you just need to hear that through Jesus, you can be reconciled with God. You can have relationship with God. That's what Paul's telling these people. See, it doesn't matter what you've bought into and what you've heard and what you've experienced. Through Jesus, he wants to reconcile you to God. It says in verse 23, if you continue in your faith, God wants to continually reconcile himself to you through your faith. As you're wrestling with your faith and new things are coming to light and new understandings are coming open to you and you're like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. Jesus wants to connect you with God through that. Through that, it all kind of works together. So maybe you're in here and you needed to hear that. That God continually wants to reconcile you to him. You're never too far away. You're never too far gone. You've never done too much or, or, or not enough. But that God continually wants to reconcile you. Or maybe you're in here this morning you just needed to hear that Christ is for everybody. That Jesus is for everyone. Even me? Yeah. Even you. That Christ is for everyone. It used to be just the Hebrews and the Jews and all that stuff, but Christ shifted that paradigm. Jesus shows up and he says, no, man, it's for everybody. Everybody has access to this. Christ is for everybody. Nobody's too far gone. Nobody's to this or to that or not enough of this or not enough of that. Jesus is for everybody. And so maybe you're thinking he wasn't for you. No, he is. He's for you. And he wants to reconcile you to God. Maybe you think about your enemies, or you think about family members, or you think about people in your life, you're like, yeah, Jesus is for everybody except that person. I'm pretty confident, pretty sure. No, Jesus is for them too. And he wants to reconcile them to God. He wants to have relationship. And so I want to encourage you this morning to be encouraged by Paul's word to the Colossians that Christ is supreme that Christ has and will reconcile you and Christ is for everybody and so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a few moments to just kind of process this you know if you're in here and you are someone who needs to wrestle with your faith start that right now make a mental note bust out your phone Google Keep start making some notes to yourself whatever you need to do in these next few moments to start the process now Or if you're in here and you just needed to hear that Jesus is bigger than whatever it is you got going on, you just might need to rest in that and say, lean into that. Say, man, this seems like it's overtaking me, but I know that you're bigger. I know that you got my back. I know that you want to reconcile me to God. And I know that you are for everyone, even me. I want to give you the opportunity to experience that this morning. And so the band's going to lead us in one more song. I want you to have the opportunity to do some business with God. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your word to the Colossians that speaks so true to us. God, as we move forward in this, in this letter, and we seek the truth that you have for us, I pray that you would make us receptive. God, for those of us this morning that are going to wrestle with our faith over the next several weeks and sort of start to process and digest some of the things that we hold true, God, I pray you send your Holy Spirit to guide us. God, for those of us who just need to recognize 
that you're bigger than whatever we're going through right now. That you are supreme over all. I pray that we would be able to lean into that. God, for those of us who are far from you, alienated, that need to be reconciled through Jesus. I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to do business with us this morning. God, help us to realize that you're for everybody, all of us, those we love and those we don't. You love us all. God, we invite you to do business with us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.